welcome back to another episode of What the HR, an award-winning podcast. I'm Jesse Novi. And I'm Mike Toole. The What the HR podcast explores how to build people-centric businesses through modern practices and approaches. New episodes are released frequently, so don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any episodes. another episode of What the HR. Today, we're joined by Samantha Lamo. Through her 25-plus year career across toys, entertainment, fashion, and retail industries, Samantha has led multi-billion dollar brand portfolios at prominent global companies, most recently at Foot Locker, where she was the EVP and Chief Customer Officer. Prior to that, Samantha spent 20 years at Hasbro, rising to president of Branded Entertainment, and during that time, she helped prove Hasbro's growth blueprint, including leading the company's foray into entertainment with the first Transformers live-action film. Samantha currently serves as a board member for Claire's, advising on their transition to an omni-channel model. And as an experienced leader of transformation and change, Samantha brings a unique approach to leadership, one that has been inspired by a career in play. And play is exactly what we are talking about on this podcast episode today. I think a lot of us, when we think about play in the workforce, we might think about foosball tables or pool tables or taking our teams offsite for team building events, but that's actually not what we're going to be talking about today. So I think you're really going to enjoy this new twist on how we think about play in the workplace. If you are loving our guests and our podcast topics, please do us a huge favor, head out to your favorite podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. Those rating and reviews go a huge way in helping to ensure that our episodes are getting in front of other HR practitioners and business leaders. And as always, we really appreciate you being a listener of the What the HR podcast, and we hope that you enjoy this episode. All right, Samantha, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited oh. to be here. Yeah, of course. Uh, easy way of getting started. Can you tell our audience about yourself, your career, and kind of where you've been and where you're at now? Sure. So, uh, Samantha Lomo, uh, I'm actually a, a Canadian and uh, got my first job out of uh, university at Hasbro in their Toronto office. Started my That started my 25-year career in the toy and entertainment industry. I later moved to the U.S. where I played a pivotal role in leading the company's transformation from toys and games to become an entertainment and play company as, as a president of Branded Entertainment. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that over 20 years. And then I pivoted uh, during the pandemic to sneakers, uh, which, you know, funnily enough, has a lot of similarities to toys. Uh, I spent some time at global retailer Foot Locker leading their business through a key period of transition as EVP and Chief Customer Officer. And I'm currently a board member for Claire's Stores, which is another international retailer in the youth space, and working with a great team there as they evolved their omni-channel model. I live on the East Coast. I'm a proud mom of two amazing teenage daughters, uh, my husband of 20 years, and we have one very loving rescue dog. Very nice. So today's episode is all about play at work, right? How to build a culture around having fun, unlocking creativity. And I want to start uh, by discussing kind of how you fell into this 
this theory and how you apply it today? Sure. So I um, obviously started my career in toys. I was at Hasbro in Canada. I went and worked for two other companies, international toy and entertainment companies. And then I was recruited back to Hasbro. Only at that time, it was I was recruited to their headquarters in the U.S. And when I got there, you know, the company was in a very different state. It was essentially a turnaround. They had ridden a few hits too hard and really lacked a sustainable business to fall back on. There were no $100 million brands, let alone billion-dollar ones. Um, and so we took this overextended toy manufacturer, maker of games like Monopoly and Candyland and Play-Doh and Nerf, um, and we completely transformed the way we went to market with our brands. So instead of leading with toys, we endeavored to lead with entertainment so that we could really expand the business into every category, not just toys. And, you know, we needed to prove this blueprint, this thesis, and I was leading Transformers at the time. It was a $30 million business about to be delisted at Walmart. We reinvented it to become a multi-billion dollar franchise. And we did that by bringing innovation back into the product line, by building up our storytelling through animated entertainment. Then we took it to Hollywood where we caught the interest of Steven Spielberg, who brought on board Michael Bay. And this was back in 2007. You know, they made this amazing movie about a boy in his car, had all the great special effects. Technology had caught up to a point where you we could make it real. So big robots brought, brought to life on the big screen, transforming from vehicles. And, you know, at the time, this was really groundbreaking. It was before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, no one would have ever imagined a toy company playing in Hollywood. Of course, now it's common. You know, you, you can already see Barbie is on track to be the movie of the summer. But, you know, as we transformed the company, we also, you know, transformed the industry. But it wasn't really, I would say, it wasn't about the toys. It was really the approach we took and, you know, the willingness to change both mindsets and company culture to really make the transformation that we needed to make happen. So, of course, this was a few chapters ago for Hasbro, but I since went on to take a lot of what I learned about leadership and leading change, which I really attribute to the concept of play, into my other roles and now into other industries with this concept of play at work. I can, I'll, I'll keep going just a little bit more just to give you guys a little more uh, context. So, you know, through uh, my career um, and really in both roles as an executive and as a board member, I really became known for sustainable transformations. And so I kept coming back to this concept of play and how play really can and does help leaders think about change and open minds to creative ideas, new thinking, sharing, and exploring um, across teams. And um, I think right now, you know, we're, we're sort of in this transformation deficit. I'll call it that. It's a term I came across uh, recently in an HBR article. The uh, authors from Gartner were talking about the gap between the effort required and the willingness to change. And the survey that Gartner did reveals that employees' willingness to support enterprise change has gone from 74% in 2016 down to 43% in 2022. I think we all intuitively know that change is happening at this breakneck pace. You know, we've had this relentless transformation during COVID. We asked so much of our teams. You know, many are at burnout. Uh, they're not buying it anymore. 
we've sort of hit this change fatigue. And so what I'm suggesting with play is really just a new way to think about engaging organizations into the work that's required to communicate and create um, around this idea of continuous change. Yeah. And when so, we th- when, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I was just saying, when we think of play, right, right, we talked about it used to be foosball tables and beer on tap and whatnot, and, and that's all well and good. But I'm curious, when you think about adding play into the workplace, what business results have you seen from that in terms of team building and culture and maybe creativity? Like, I know it, it came about and it used to be more just for almost like retention, right? Almost like to give a break to employees. But it sounds like what you're saying is that it actually unlocks some more potential that people may not be thinking about. Yeah, I mean, I'm all in favor of playing in the break room. You know, there's the, that foosball table is is fun for anyone, but I'm I'm really talking more about integrating play into work and helping build cultures through play that help leaders achieve big goals. So it's about sparking new thinking and really creating a dialogue around you know really what it takes to make change happen. Uh, and I believe this isn't just for toy companies. You know, I'm helping leaders really tap into the imagination of their teams to help connect people around ideas and solve real business problems. So the way I've been doing that is by conducting play days with companies across different industries. So I create custom workshops. Um, these are activity-based, light gaming. And I like to have teams play with concepts like transformation or business principles like vision, mission, and values. You know, I think there's so much change happening. A lot of companies have lost touch uh, with these principles. And I think, you know, we need to re-engage our teams. It's really important that we build a dialogue around their meaning going forward. So play is just a great tool to get the conversation going. Before uh, I go into a company, I really work with the leaders that are bringing me in to understand the objectives and some of the bigger issues that the teams might be grappling with. And that really helps me choose sort of the right activities and then customize them um, appropriately. So on play day, you know, we start by bringing teams together from different functions and different backgrounds. One of the activities I like to do is a transformation uh, game where teams create a transformation story using uh, real-world challenge, challenges that their company's facing. And then I give them some cards with some magical powers of characters you might find in a toy box that really help them challenge convention and envision change in a new way. And so as they build their story, they're addressing real challenges and they're talking about how they're tackling these real challenges together as a team, but then they're coming up with some really fun and innovative ways to tackle those challenges. You know, it's it's very common and, and actually expected to have some superheroes and uh, special characters show up in your business case. Can you, so, yeah. Go, can you just expand a little bit on what you see happens in those types of scenarios? Sure. Yeah, because of course it could sound a little frivolous, but you know, it really does work. And I've worked with companies of all sizes from startups to mid-sized companies all the way to Fortune 500. And they all have different goals from the outset. But in all cases, it has unlocked some really incredible results. So I find, you know, when we mix the real world with a little bit of make-believe, there you know, are ideas, of course, that are some of them are out there. But there's always a few that you can bring back into the business. 
And, you know, it's amazing because what happens is people tend to let their guard down and become a lot more open to sharing ideas. We sort of change the risk profile in the room because we do have this element of make-believe. And magical connections really do start to happen. So in one example, a company that I worked with, you know, their teams really came to recognize that their business was at risk from competitors due to technology. And it helped the teams think about how they could embrace technology, but still maintain the high touch service that they provided. I think the other uh, examples that I can give is just the way that seeds kind of get planted over time and they continue to unlock imagination and collaboration, you cr end up creating new muscles so that because people are having fun thinking more expansively about the business. Uh, another company that I worked with, the teams went on to introduce their own play-based activities to tackle challenges with their own teams. So I think it has a way of continuing to really snowball as you introduce the concept and people start enjoying talking about hard things. So does does everything start with kind of an end goal? So just when I think of play at work, if I go back, right, it was kind of offsite obstacle courses, things like that. But it sounds like what you're doing is, hey, we have a challenge, and in order to solve this challenge, we're using play Correct. to actually help solve that. Is that am I accurate in that? Yes. So, so can and, you talk? Yep. So go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna say, can you talk about some of like the you said a few there, but what are some common challenges that people kind of come to the table with that play seems to help solve? Because I'm sure there are maybe it helps solve everything. But are there some common ones out there that it seems to be better with like certain departments that's more creative or can you explain that? Sure. So the case for play really works across disciplines and across industries. As I've been working with different companies, I've found that the further you are away from creative, the almost the more fun you have thinking creatively about the business. But also, uh, it works across generations. So I found that, you know, Gen Z, who you know, is quickly going to become a third of the workforce over the next couple of years, are, you know, looking for ways to connect with older generations. And play is a great way to help sort of build bridges around creative idea sharing. Uh, in terms of how, you know, it can help different challenges that companies are facing, it can be anything from how do we think about a new competitor to how do we think about expanding our relationship with our customer to the values that companies are currently uh, working with or currently hold to maybe needing to be revisited or, or talked about more openly uh, across the organization. Are you finding too that outside of using them for, we'll just call them like bigger rock problems or issues that need to be solved, that companies are finding value in weaving them into more day-to-day -day interactions or stand-up meetings, things like that? I, I understand some of these are facilitated and may take a little bit longer, but are there ways where they're adopting maybe some of the philosophies or basics to this to have it be more of a cultural shift versus just using it once or twice a year? Definitely. And uh, I could give you an example that almost any 
industry can can try. I call it show and tell. And it's based on something that we used to do at Hasbro, which um, any industry can can try. So we used to hold this event where any employee could come and showcase their hobby. So it was an afternoon over a couple of hours. And some people chose to, you know, display their hobbies. Other people chose to come and peruse, shop, or just enjoy getting to know people. And I was always amazed, you know, that some of the most creative and inventive hobbies were from the least suspecting places. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily marketing or design, but you might find out that someone in legal or someone in IT, you know, makes these gorgeous custom cakes or paints custom portraits of your pet. And, you know, I think as an organization, it just helped create connections across different disciplines, people who may not have met before. And, you know, for for leadership, it just gave this incredible view to the creativity inside the company. And so, again, I, I call it show and tell. We called it something else. But you can do it on almost any topic. And so one of the companies that I've been working with is using it to share technology. So they're doing a technology-based show and tell. And the application, you know, the goal is to help with increased adoption of various applications that they have. Um, another company that I'm working with is excuse me, interested in applying the concept as a way to grow visibility on their internal projects across different divisions, but in a very playful, you know, fun way. So different groups can chance to see what others are working on and hopefully inspire each other through the process. Are there places where it doesn't work or where you wouldn't recommend it? I mean, there is a level of vulnerability that comes with being open to play. And so if you have leadership that I guess is less inclined to support that type of an environment, I wouldn't recommend it. But it works in the sense that, you know, bringing people together in a fun environment, in a supportive space where you can take risk and allowing people to think a little bit differently outside of the traditional structure of the day um, and open up to some new shared ideas across the team, their teams. Mm -hmm. Is it also safe to assume that, you know, in, in most meetings with similar types of groups coming together, you typically have um, your folks that are more talkative, those that take more of a backseat to inputting, you know, their opinion or asking questions in the conversation, that this type of um, creative play brings out um, those individuals that may be less uh, likely to participate, where you're getting more participation from a variety of people. Definitely. And, you know, in fact, in one of most of my activities, I require that everyone have a role in um, the activity that we go through. And it is a great equalizer because you're coming to the session without any preparation. And, you know, a lot of times what I'm trying to get at is more of that beginner's mind and putting people in a place where, you know, they're just thinking um, very spontaneously and sharing ideas that can build on each other. And good ideas can come from anywhere and anyone. And really helping leaders see that there's wisdom all around is a big goal of my play days. 
And how do you convince those leaders or those cultures where this is just not weaved into to their their culture, for lack of better words, to um, embrace something like this? Yeah, I think it's it's difficult to to uh, envision sort of the results from something like this. So in my conversations, you know, a lot of times I'm talking to companies where they they really are having a challenge with their corporate culture. Um, I think in general, corporate culture is in flux right now. You know, the pandemic really did shift a lot of the way we work. And our time has become so scheduled down to 15-minute increments where we have less time in person. We've left little room for exploring and sharing. And so I think in these kinds of environments, employees don't really want to rock the boat. You know, we're in a tough economic environment. Um, People fear losing their jobs. And what leaders need to recognize is we need to create these brave spaces for people to come together around idea sharing. You know, right now, you know, companies are absorbed in a lot of cost cutting and, and workforce reductions in a lot of industries, a lot of cases. They can't afford to forget about motivating their employees and and inspiring them. Um, we have to focus on reaccelerating growth at some point. And so my approach is really just to bring forward a different way to help that happen. Did the talk about the pandemic? Did the fact that more people are remote did, did that have an impact on kind of play at work? Have you seen it go down? I, I certainly would say it has in terms of just getting together and being creative. So I'm wondering, one, have you seen that also? How have you combated that? Have, is there more things you can do via Zoom or on Teams? There, there's always playfulness that you can have um, digitally. But what I love about these play days is that it intentionally brings people back together in person and helps rebuild those connections that perhaps, you know, might have been lost or just don't get as much attention on uh, a video call. So what I've seen is almost um, an even more, an even higher level of excitement around them because people are really looking to engage with with their colleagues. Mm-hmm. So whenever we do a podcast, we always think we, we always want our listeners obviously to walk away with a ton of stuff. But if they can bring back like one specific thing. And as I listen to you talk, I'm really curious on can you give an example of an actual challenge and then the game and like walk through that? Maybe, you know, don't take too long, but like I'm really curious on what type of games like specifically you've done in the past. Yeah. OK, I'll give you one example. and. um I call it's a transformation exercise with a little bit of visioning. I call it once upon a transformation. Teams get together. Uh, and I, I generally work with the leadership to make sure the teams are quite diverse. So people from different functions, different disciplines, you know, obviously different backgrounds and, you know, generations is great as well. But I really want people that don't normally work together to be at the table. And what I do is I will give them five business challenges and or opportunities that I've identified that I've worked with the leader to to identify. And the teams have to tell a story uh, with those five challenges and opportunities. It has to be a transformation story. And they have to all work together 
to build that story. And I, they have about 30 minutes to prepare it. I always sprinkle in a little pixie dust. So they have some magical elements that they can draw from to help them make their transformation story. And it it's pretty amazing what you get out of it because teams are thinking about the business, which is grounded in reality, but they have the flexibility to bring in some magical elements that can really help them envision the business in a different way. So once the teams have all created their stories, we bring everybody back together. All the teams get to ch share their stories with the room. And we, ha we get into a, a conversation and um, I help facilitate a discussion around the different elements. We talk a lot about how they tackle the challenges, uh, maybe who helped them in solving some of the problems, which characters help them, whether they're real or, you know, maybe they were, you know, make-believe. Uh, and through the process, I think we always find a few nuggets that are relevant to bring back to the business. But you also have the benefit of teams connecting around new thinking. And a lot of that benefit can, tends to continue on over time because you've built those connections and maybe spark some new ways of thinking about the business that continue to pay dividends, you know, after the activity is over. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that those ideas, you talked to leadership first. What about, do you work with somebody to kind of build the business case to say, hey, we, we want to invest in this area of the business and and what does that look like? Like, is there an ROI that you show? And um, I'm just curious on somebody who's like thinking, hey, this is a great idea, but everything costs money. So how do we sell these ideas to <laughs> Yeah, leadership? everything costs everything always costs money. You know, I think the ROI, you know, can it's all customized in terms of, you know, what are the objectives that the leaders are trying to solve? And, you know, some of them are very specific and we can say, yes, you know, there's, you know, we're going to determine how the impact is going to benefit the organization as a whole and let's let's lay out those um, those performance objectives. And then some of them are less, you know, tangible you know, because they are more relationship focused or, you know, just cultural uh, benefits that the teams will continue to grow over time. One of the companies I worked with, you know, we had a goal around prioritizing initiatives and they wanted to use play to create more of an inclusive environment and a, a more engaging conversation around the prioritization of initiatives that were going on in the company. And so we I worked closely with that leader to help curate a lot of the play-based activities around creating a, a more of a dialogue on those topics so that they could then distill them down and uh, be a lot more intentional about the ones that they were going to continue to fund and support. Samantha, I think you mentioned earlier about kind of an imagination gap uh, within organizations. I'm curious kind of what that term means and why there is that gap within the companies that that you've been working with. Yeah, I, I think, you know, when it comes to imagination, it tends to not be something that leaders are focused on. 
Uh, but it, it is extremely important. I think, especially as the world around us continues to change at such a rapid rate, imagination can really help us all envision the future in the face of change. You know, think about AI. It, it's, I think, a great example of an innovation. It's on everybody's mind. And as leaders, you know, we all need to be very adept at leading both people and technology. You know, it's a very important skill for leadership going forward. And I believe that capturing the imagination of your team is going to be critical to helping really support and uh, envision where AI can take us, you know, as we think about humans and machines working together for the future. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Good question, Mike. Um, so I know that our guests are going to want to connect with you and learn more about what you're doing. They may have some follow-up questions on some of the things that we talked about today. So where can people connect with you? Thank you so much. So the best place to reach out to me is through LinkedIn. And um, I look forward to connecting with your listeners. Yeah. Oh, hey, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, sorry, really quick before you leave, Samantha. So I know you do, you're doing work with companies. How long from kind of start to finish in terms of once you engage with somebody to when you're done? <laughs> well, I can engage in uh, a couple hours to, you know, a couple of a day or a couple of days um, with repeat visits. So I'm op- I'm pretty flexible in terms of how I work with companies, and it's really based on the need of the organization at the time. All right. Well, Samantha, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for your willingness to be a guest. Um, we really enjoyed having you today. Thanks again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of What the HR. If you want to hear more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform you're listening through now. If you enjoyed the podcast, do us a favor and share with your network, your boss, or your CEO. Help us get this podcast in front of anyone who wants to know what HR looks like when done well. Also, if you have any questions for show topics or people you'd like us to interview, please email Mike and I at podcast at tcsherm.org. That's podcast at tcsherm.org. If you want to find out more about Twin City Sherm or our upcoming events, please visit our website at tcsherm.org. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And finally, if you're not already a member of Twin City Sherm, please use code WHATTHEHR at checkout to receive $20 off your membership. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next episode. 